Well, welcome once again. My name is Derek. I'm the pastor of Ship Church, and I'm so glad you guys are here with us this morning. And if you're listening online, um, thank you for joining us online. And I pray and I hope that um, you contact us in any way possible uh, because we love hearing your stories. Um, I'm still amazed that we have people listening to us from all over the world, like Uzbekistan and Alaska and the Netherlands and Greenland and all these crazy places I've never heard of in my life. So reach out to us. Let us know your story. That'd be awesome. And today is a great day. Um, today is a great day to join us because we're starting a brand new series. It's going to be a three-week series leading up to um, a series that we're going to do on evangelism right before Easter. Um, but um, we're in a new series that's called When the Devil Knocks. And, you know, I think sometimes, you know, um, people might say, well, why are you doing a message about the devil? And, and I'm here to tell you, this is not like a devil glorifying, hey, let's get out our pitchforks and stuff kind of thing. It's, it's kind of a, uh, I think sometimes we forget that we're at war. That we're at war with, with, a, with, with, a, with spiritual, um, a spiritual darkness. And I think sometimes we, we lose sight of that and that we are in a real real battle, spiritual battle for our lives and for our families and for our finances and for whatever it may be. The devil is attacking us, and the devil is very much real, very much real. You know, there'll be, there's people that try to convince, you know, sometimes it's, it's an interesting fact that I think one of the biggest deceptions of Satan himself is the fact that he can, has convinced people that he isn't real, Right? Like there's a there's a book out. Like I used to love listening to this guy. Um, I don't want to. I don't, I don't know if I should say his name or not. But I used to love listening and reading this guy's stuff. But he wrote this book that called Love Wins, and it was him just out saying there is no hell, there is no devil, and it's kind of like, dude, you have lost your freaking mind because he is so freaking real. Like he is real and he's attacking. Like he, you have you have believed the lie that he told you. You have turned your back on the truth and. You know, we have people say, well, we believe in God, but certainly there's no forces of darkness. And, and I hope you understand that the devil is real, but he isn't this little guy in a red suit with a pitchfork and a tail and horns, okay? There's a spiritual battle going on every single day between the forces of good and the forces of evil. God is the God of light and Satan and the devil is the, is the God, little g God, meaning he is puny, meaning he... You could defeat him. Like he is, he's the God of darkness. Our God is truth. The devil is the father of lies, because Jesus says he came to give life and abund and give life abundantly. But the devil, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to bring death and destruction. See the 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 Bible tells us. Scripture tells us that we're not. We're not in a battle against flesh and blood. Like you're not in an argument or fighting against your mother-in-law or your boss that gets on your nerves. It may seem that way. But our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers and the principalities of the air. And so today, what I hope we do is that we just dive in for the next three weeks and we learn how to fight against our adversary. So let me give you a little back history here. Okay, this is kind of interesting. Well, to me, it's interesting. I don't know about y'all, but, you know, it's interesting to me. Here's a little back story, okay? I'll, 
from the, at the foundations of the world, we know that God created everything, right? God created everything, and everything that was created, it was created for what? His glory. Because he doesn't share his glory, because glory is due him, because he is the creator of all things. Like, it's not about Derek, it's not about Shift Church, it's really not about Chaz even, even though today was great. It's a story about his goodness, his glory, his greatness, and at the time... God created angels, but he created three specific angels, like three powerful angels. And those three angels are what are called archangels. And one of them was Michael. One of them was Gabriel. Okay, we know those guys, right? And one of them was Lucifer or Satan. All right, and here's the crazy thing. This is a side note, so I'm going to get away from my message for a minute. You know, like, um, you know those guys that come up to your door that um, where it had like the you know the Jehovah Witness guys, not the Mormons, the Jehovah Witness guys. Here's a crazy thing for you to kind of um, listen. We don't argue. Shift Church. We don't argue with people. I've said that from the beginning. We're not going to argue. People are going to love people. And we're going to love them. But here's something a little interesting that you might could throw out your wallet is that see Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus was a reincarnation of Michael the Archangel. Okay, which that alone is kind of like pfft, stupid. But sort of like, but because uh, you don't can't get that from scripture, okay. But here's the crazy thing: that they believe that Michael or Jesus was the only archangel. But wait a minute, the Bible clearly states that there's more than one. And so here's what I like to do when they actually had some knock on my door while Brittany was gone in Honduras. I talked about this, and I said, you know, I really feel like like you guys kind of belittle my Jesus. Well, what do you mean? I like you say he's just an, he's just another angel. They're like, no, he's like the only. Like he's the only archangel. Like, well, that's kind of weird because Daniel chapter 10 says that Michael, one of the archangels, and that's even in your all's Bible. And they go, oh. <laughs> and so, so that's just, that's just the thought there. But here he goes. He created these three angels, and they all had specific jobs, right? And guess what Lucifer's job was? He was the worship angel. Like if you were in just normal, I'm going to use this word, peon angel out there, you know, if you wanted to say, like if you wanted to give God glory, you'd go to Lucifer and go, Lucifer, write me a song. Write me a song and go sing it. Go sing it for, and so he did. And what, what Lucifer was seeing was that God was getting all the glory and he was getting jealous. He wanted the glory for himself. So he became very, very jealous and God was getting all the glory and Lucifer wanted the glory and so he fell to pride and pitted himself against God. And God says, I will not share my glory with anyone else. And so he cast Lucifer out of the presence of God. And he comes to the earth and he takes one third of the angels with him. Like how many, how many angels is that? I have no clue, but it's one third. There's still two thirds fighting on our behalf, so I ain't worried about it. Okay. And those are known as demons, what we call demons, and it's people, those who we do battle with every single day. So what you need to understand is, is that because you are created in what? The image of God. Since you are created in the image of God, and because the devil hates God, the devil will continually come after you. Because he sees the, in you the one thing that he hates the most. And that he sees the glory of God. Chaz's story here is a picture of the glory of God. Your picture, your your story as a believer is a picture of the glory of God. 
So every time he sees you, he is filled with hate. And it's not if he attacks, it's that he is already attacking. And I hope that this series, and it's designed to help you arm yourself, to prepare yourself to recognize that battle and kick the devil's little booty. Okay? Because I believe with all my heart that the devil will try to keep you from listening this morning. Right? Whatever the case may be, you know, I'm not one of those hooky guys, oh, he made it rain this morning, so, you know, people stay at home. No, I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. All I know is he's going to do something this week. He's going to do something this week to distract you, to, to get you your attention off the fact that he's at battle. Not with you personally, but with God. Right? C.S. Lewis said it this way. And it's really important that you, we hear this this morning. Okay? C.S. Lewis said it this way. There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and then counterclaimed by Satan when the devil knocks. Kind of saying this, God has created everything good, right? He created food to be good. He created sex good. Amen, fellas? He's created all these good things like he says it is good and what satan does is come in with a lie and he twists he takes something that god created good he took the way god how god designed things to work and he's twisted it into a lie and that's why we have the, you know well it's okay to do this over here you know god designed it to work this way but it's okay you know we, we, we believe the lie because here's Here's what we're going to, first thing we're going to call him, because he is a liar. Here's the first thing we're going to call him, week one, is that Satan is a deceiver. He's the deceiver. The Bible says he's a deceiver. Satan, and if you're taking notes, you can write this, Satan is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. If you're taking notes, you can take that little red card, you can write it all up, I don't care. All right? Satan is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. He lies to us and tries to take us away from the God's truth. Jesus said this about him in John 8, 44. He said, he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. I mean, it's who he is. He's a liar. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So how do you know when the devil's lying to you? Every time he opens his freaking mouth, he's lying to you. Every time. People often say, well, how do I know if God's talking to me or if Satan's talking to me, which we'll get to all this in a minute, because it's, it's kind of strange, isn't it? Because what does God's voice sound like in your head? Your, your voice. What does your voice sound like in your head? Your voice. Well, what does Satan's voice sound like in your head? Your voice. So how are we to discern if this is truth? So we're going to look at a story today. It's a very familiar story, and maybe it'll, uh, maybe with a few, a few little new tidbits in there, maybe it'll, it'll open up to you. Like, like he's always lied from the beginning, right? Like we know that. Like we can go back to the, his first strategy, right? And that's when he when he met Eve in the garden. Going to Genesis three, baby. All right. I'll have to be the meaning. So we we uh, so he's he's a deceiver. He's 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 met Eve in the garden, and and 
the serpent, which is just a physical form of Satan, he came and he deceived Eve. How did he do it? Because there's many different ways he could have done it, right? He could he could he could approached her and and deceived her about her um, her insecurities, right? Like he could have said, "Adam doesn't want you anymore." You see the way he looked at you? He's mad that you took his rib. Just tough room, okay? Like he 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 doesn't care about your feelings. He wants to go into his man cave, like literally his man cave. And get away from you. Like, he doesn't love you. You know that song he, he wrote for you, the bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh? He copyrighted that. That wasn't his real heart feelings. Like, he could have attacked her insecurities, right? But he didn't. So what did the serpent do? And if you're taking notes, write this down. He, the deceiver, questioned God's word. He questioned God's word. This is what he says in Genesis 3, 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from the garden of the tree of the trees in the garden? And did God really say? Did he really say, like, notice the deceiver didn't say he, he that God didn't speak. He just questioned what God had spoken. And this is what the deceiver does to us today. He tries to question or plant seeds of doubt in us. Like, do you really believe the Bible is a book from God? Like, surely you're smarter than that. Surely you're smarter than that. Like, like how can you, do you really think there was this creator that just spoke and created everything? Like, really? Like, you're smarter than that. Like, you know things just kind of blew up. Like, do you, do you really, do you really you're, are you really that naive? Now, come on. You have a master's degree, Derek. Do you really believe on all this? Like, or how about this one? This one's room. Did God really mean that for today? Like, maybe he might have meant that for a couple hundred years ago. Maybe that was good then. But today, we're, we're, it's year 2000 and whatever. Come on now. Like, does he re- did he really mean that for today? Besides, God loves you, right? Like, he loves you, Courtney. He loves you. He loves you. And if he really loved you, he'd let you do whatever you wanted. He didn't mean that for you, Courtney. You just go do your thing. He wants you to be happy. Does that sound familiar to anybody? So he questions God's word, and he gets you to question God's word. And evidently, Eve apparently started to question God's word. Let me show you why I believe that. Okay, so if you read this before this, you see that God tells Adam and Eve that you could eat freely from any, any tree in the garden except for this one. You can eat freely. Everybody say freely. Freely. You can eat freely. There's freedom here. You're blessed. You're free. Just don't eat this one because here's the deal. Oh, why did God even put that tree in the middle of the garden to begin with? Thanks, God. Because oh, true obe- joy is found in true obedience to the Father. Like the reason he created things to work the way they do was because he wanted ultimate joy 
The reason your relationships don't work out the quite, quite the way you want them to is because you're not doing those relationships in the way that God designed them to work. Because you're not walking in obedience because that's where joy is found. Joy is found in true obedience. So like, like, what did he put the tree? Because he wanted people to realize that true joy, true life came in obedience. So that's a whole different sermon, okay? You can eat freely from any of these trees. I love you. You're blessed. There's freedom. Just not this one. But then when Eve got into a dialogue with the devil, she left out one key word. In verse 2, she says, of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, let's leave me there. What word did she leave out? She left out the word freely, implying perhaps that God was holding back on her. That maybe the one thing that she was wanting that she's missing out on, maybe that one thing is what God told her no to. How dare you, God, hold that from me? Maybe my joy's found over here in the thing that he says not to do, and he just don't want me to be happy because he's he's a, really God? She left out the word freely, implying that maybe God was holding back, that there was more. Maybe that's what can, that's where fulfillment and satisfaction is found. So, so what happened? The moment Eve started to question the goodness of God, she found it easy to to disobey the will of God. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. That when you start to question the goodness of God, it's easier to disobey the will of God. When you start to question that God is good, it'll become easy for you to disobey what he has for you. The moment Satan started questioning God's word, she started to wonder, is God really good? And so the deceiver questions question God's word, right? Got Eve to question God's word. And here's the second thing that the deceiver does is that he twists God's word. He twists God's word. He said, we can eat from any tree except the one or we're going to die. And technically, if you want to think about it, she did die because she had eternal life before. She's created perfect, Right? Because sin and darkness that brought the result of death wasn't there yet. But that's a whole other sermon too. And the serpent says in verse 4 and 5, you won't die. Because maybe she was getting this picture of like, I'm going to eat this fruit and I'm going to right there in, in the spot, right? But, is, but Satan twisted what God said. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good from evil. Now, wait a minute. So from the very beginning, Satan wanted to be like God and get the glory from God. Here's, so that, that makes sense. But maybe Eve in this process forgot that she was created Already in the image of God, she was already like God. Like, she was already a reflection of the heart of God. And yet the serpent says, twist, twist, twist. Did God really say you could be like him? Oh, God is love. That's true. But then he twists it. And God is love. He understands. Do what you want. 
So the scripture says, thou shalt not judge. Nobody can judge you for what you're doing. It's your life. YOLO, you only live once. Life from the devil. I mean, I'm not saying don't wear your YOLO shirt, but I'm just saying. <laughs> do what you want. You only live once. You can do whatever you want with your life. He'll forgive you anyways. It's kind of, this is a lie. This is a lie that we, especially in church culture for a little while, because this is why we hate religion, religion here, okay? This is what church culture does for, for a long time. I mean, I've been using this bucket a lot lately, haven't I? We blew something up in it a couple weeks ago, but should have been here. Um, it's like we, like during the week, we take this bucket up and we fill it up with our, with our sin, right? This is a lie. Do what you want. You only live once. Fill it up. And then like Sunday morning comes and we go, here you go, God. You said you'll forget about it, so ask him for forgiveness. And then Monday rolls around and goes, okay, I'm going to fill this bucket back up. And then the next week we come and we dump it out. Okay, God. Oh, wait, there's one more thing in here. I'm going to see. Okay, you said you'd forget about it. That's what we've done. We believe this lie that he'll just forgive you anyway, and he will. He will. He's a gracious God. It's his gracious father. But we begin to believe the lie that we can live whatever life we want. Still say that we're following God. And because we started to believe the lie that God wants us happy. And it's not about happiness. It's about joy. Because happiness is based on happenings in your life. It can switch and turn left and right, whatever. But joy is setting something eternal. And the reason we're following this is that you're under attack. You're under attack. The evil one is coming after your family, coming after your finances, and perhaps coming after you physically, and maybe even coming after your children. You're under attack. And what do you do if somebody breaks in your house? What would you do? What would I do if somebody broke into my house? Okay? Somebody just said shoot them. Possibly. Yeah. Brittany's got plenty of knives laying underneath their pillows. Just be careful if you go to hug Brittany while she's laying down, okay? Trust me. Like if somebody broke into my front door and I heard them and I'm like, man, I hope they don't go down the hallway where Zane and Lyric are. Brittany, get up and do something. <laughs> no, I'm going to turn into some sort of Rambo, right? Jackie Chan. Like, I, like uh, I have a certain set of skills. Taking anybody? It's a great movie. Might want to edit that out too. Uh, I have a certain set of skills and I'm going to hunt you. Yeah. Like, we fight against that, but somebody is breaking into your home. And they're coming after your family. They're coming after your finances. And a lot of times we don't do anything, but we're under attack. Well, here's what I think. I'm under attack, but not today, devil. Not my house, not my family, not my finances, not my health. No. Nope, you have no place here. I fight you back in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, that every demon will bow and every tongue will confess that you are God. That's the God who's fighting my battle, so you get out of here. Like at the mention of his name, you've got to flee, so get up out of here. I'm not sitting back just tolerate, tolerating this stuff anymore. Like I'm not just hoping for the best, just wishing, it's, is it ever going to get better? It's, it's not going to get better. Not today, not my house, not this time, not this Jesus follower. I know who I am in Christ. I know what I have in Christ. And the same, I have the same power that conquered the grave lives in me. And so I can face whatever you throw at me. So come at, you, come at me, bro.
You're in a battle, and we've got to recognize it, okay? Here's, and here's, how, here's the great news. Here's, here's where we're, this is the, the flip side of all this is that since we have the same power, that can, only if you're a believer. Now, if you're not a believer, I wish you luck, okay? Because he's stronger than you. He's stronger than you. But here's the deal. Ephesians 6 tells us how we can defeat the enemy. Ephesians 6 talks about this, there's this idea of the armor of God. Now I want you to listen to all this whole list of things and then tell me, then we'll talk about something. Verse 14, it starts by saying in Ephesians 6, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all the all these, hold up the shield of faith the, to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You have one offensive weapon. What is that? The word of God, the sword of the spirit. It's called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You have the sword of the spirit, which is, this, is the word of God. Your only offensive weapon is the word of God. And what you hope, you, what I hope you'll understand is that the Bible is not just some kind of some kind of book to teach you how to be nice and kind. No, it's a weapon. It's a weapon. The word, the word of God is your greatest offensive weapon welded against the forces of darkness. And there's different kinds of swords back in this time, right? You had the big old sword that you know you get a picture of this when David defeats Goliath and he gets that big sword and he kind of throws it over on Goliath and cuts Goliath's head off. We normally don't teach that part of the story in kids' ministry, okay? That's pretty gross. But then there's this other sword. There's this other sword. It's called the gladius. And a gladius is a small little close hand-to-hand combat kind of sword, and it was sharp on both sides. I mean, they, they sharpened it on both sides, and... Hey, they use that in hand-to-hand combat, and then, and the, but the, here's it's, but here's the thing: the word of God is like the gladius. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews four twelve says, "The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting both the soul and the spirit between joint and marrow. It, it exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. It's how we battle against the evil one." how we fight back it's with the spoken word of god the sword of the spirit so how did jesus battle the evil one it reminded me of this story and i we, i didn't want to put it up here because i didn't want to read the whole thing but it's a quick story you know when jesus first started his ministry here he went and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights so jesus was at his weakest moment right physically and that's when the devil attacks us when it's our weakest moment that's when he attacks us so physically he's He's hungry, he's starving, and the devil comes at him um, in three different ways. In ways one, he goes, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, you're, you're hungry. You've been out here for 40 days and 40 nights without eating. You're hungry. Why don't you turn this bread, this stone into bread? Let me first say this before I get too far into this. It's at our weakest that he attacks, Right? And maybe some of you haven't been attacked in a while. And maybe it's because you're not doing anything. Sorry. No, I'm not sorry, but, you know. Because if you're doing something, the devil's going to attack. When you're glorifying God, he's going to attack, right? 
when when you're when you're coming in here and you're setting up every week trying to get the kingdom of God. You're, he's on he's on attack when you're trying to do things good. You're going to attack when you're glorifying him with worship. When you go to do a church plant and you like you're starting from nothing and you're like I don't know what to do. He'll attack and it's when you're doing something that God will attack. So if you're not being attacked, then you're not doing anything. So get to work. Okay. So here he is, Jesus in the wilderness. 40 days, 40 nights. He's hungry. He's at his weakest. He's trying to commune with God. He'll be glorified, you know, so God can be glorified and the Father can be glorified in his ministries. And Satan comes and man, you're hungry. Why don't you turn this stone into bread? And what did Jesus do? Anybody know? He drew his sword. And he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He used the words of God. Attack number two came, and the demons and Satan says, Jesus, why don't you throw yourself off this cliff? Because Scripture says, well, watch, watch them twist it. Like, watch them twist it right here. The angels will give charge over you, and they will, not, they will come, and they will rescue you. And Jesus, again, draws his sword and says, It is written, do not put the Lord God to test. And the only thing that the Bible says you can test God on is your finances. When he says, test me and see that I'm good, give your tithe. And challenge me with that. That's the only thing he says you can test him on. And the devil comes again and says, oh, no, 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 no. How about this, Jesus? Look over all the kingdoms of God. Here's a crazy thing. Like, Satan is dumb, okay? Jesus already, Jesus being God, already owned all of it. It was all his anyways. And listen to what he proposes to him. Like, he's an idiot. Okay, he's idiotes, the biblical term. Okay, idiotes. I will give them to you if you only bow down and simply worship me. And Jesus is like, they're already mine, dummy. You can have all of this. It can be all about you. And Jesus says, get away from me. And he draws the living sword, the word of God, and says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and him alone. And the devil fled. And the angels of God came and ministered to Jesus. It's the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit that we fight off the attacks. When we're in our weakest moment and Satan tries to attack us, that's when we pull out our gladius, our sword, and use it. It's why Psalms 119.11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. In other words, your words are a part of me that dwells within me. It's like, how do you get the word hidden in you? You have to daily, daily be pouring into the scripture and letting it pour into you. Like you, you daily have to enjoy the spiritual nourishment from the word of God. And if I can be really honest, not that I would lie to you, but if I could be honest, the problem is a lot of us don't know where our sword is. I think it's in my trunk. It's on the coffee table. It's been, I put my finger in it. My fingerprint will be there because of dust. We wonder why we're always being defeated. It's because we have no ammunition to fight our enemy with. You don't know where your offensive weapon is. And before the word can, words can come out of your mouth, it's got to be hidden in your heart. It's got to be hidden in your heart. Like, it's, you've got to have it in your heart. And if it's not in your heart, it's useless. What do 
we do. The first of the week, we worship God. The first of the year, we fast and seek God. And the first of every financial increase, we worship God through with tithe. And the first of every day, every day, we seek God first. And everything else will add to us. We open our hearts up to God in prayer. And we open the word and we let it spiritually nourish us every day. So what does the word do? The word convicts us. And conviction isn't a bad thing. Convictions, conviction opens us up to say, this is, what, this is where you're wrong. Listen, we're all wrong about a lot of stuff. It's good. It shows us where we're not in, in line with God's will because the word will direct us into God's will. The word comforts us when we're hurting. The word encourages us to become who we are in Christ. The word equips us to do the perfect will of God. The word reminds us not, it's not about us. It's all about him. It's the living bread. It's spiritual nourishment. We feed on it. We feed on it. It strengthens us. It washes over us. It changes us to become God, who God wants us to be because who God wants us to be is so much better than who we want to be. So I would beg you to get into it daily. You're like, I don't have a Bible. Listen, everybody has a smartphone. There's this app. It's a really great app. It's by a church. Church is called, um, the church is called Life Church, but um, there's an app called um, the um, Version Bible app. And they're like, well, I'm not a good reader. Well, this app reads to you. Let it read. Let this soak it in. Soak it in. Do a plan. Like, they have plans on there. Okay, get a plan. Read it. Do whatever it takes. Like, I don't know what to, where to start. Do I just open it up and point? That's a bad idea. Okay. Like, what if you actually point to the second key that says, God commanded the kings to sit on the wall and drink their own urine and eat their own dung? That'd be like, how do I apply that to my life? Okay? Like, but start a plan. Get serious about knowing God. Okay? And you can only know cool stories like that if you read the, the Bible. Sorry. There's also this really cool story about a king who was so fat he got stabbed and he didn't bleed. Just like dirt and water ran out. It was weird. Some more cool stories in the Bible like that. Okay. The Bible's boring. Uh, what you reading? Huh? I'm not good at reading, so let it read to you. Let it speak to you. Let it speak to you. Like, let it speak to your heart. Justin actually turned me on to this Bible app called The First 15. It's a great resource. It's a great resource to do. You like, they give you a little worship song. You've got a passage to read. A little devotional thing. It's, it's great. Just do something. Get your face in the book. Not Facebook. Book. The book. Get your face in the book. Or you can, if it's on your phone, whatever. Because it is living and it's powerful. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. The Word of God is alive and active. That's why we still have stories of life change because it's still active. It's still alive. Well, it's not relevant. Apparently it is. Apparently it is. Because there's life change happening all over, all over the world. So I'm just, sorry, ADHD. It's living, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. We fight back. We're in a spiritual battle. We've got to fight back with the word because he's going to try to deceive that. If you don't know the word, he's going to deceive it. He's going to lie to you. He's going to twist it. And you won't know if it's the truth from a lie. If you don't know the word, you want to know how you distinguish the voices, you have to know the word. Whenever you feel a little depressed, what do you do? Pull out your sword. Why so downcast, oh my soul? I put my hope in the living God. When your family is under attack, what do you do? No weapon formed against us will prosper. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
When you think like, I, I, can't, I can't make it another day, you can say, I will not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time I will reap a harvest. If I don't give up, I can do all things through Christ who dwells within me. When, I'm diagn- when the diagnosis is good, I went to the doctor this past week and I found out I had a lot of w- crazy things, okay? When the diagnosis is not good, you can say, I believe that all things are possible with God. I believe that it's by His stripes we are healed. Like, see how the, see how the Word of God kind of can, can encourage you? Like, when you're, when you're not sure where you're gonna get, what you're going to do, I don't know what college I'm going to go to. I don't know where I'm, what, I'm, what job I'm supposed to have. You can say, I trust, I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I lean not on my own understanding. But in all my ways, I acknowledge Him, and He alone will make my path straight. If I feel ashamed after, after I've done something, like have you ever felt ashamed after you've, like you blatantly knew that you've sinned against God and you're like, oh man, I feel like crap. Like, here's a great one. Here's, this is a great one. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When I confess my sins, God is faithful and just. He will forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's good news right there. When your marriage is under attack, you draw that sword. And you tell yourself, love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It doesn't, how many of y'all get easily angered at your spouse? I'm, I, I didn't do that because I know, man, I wouldn't say because Brittany gets on my nerves. I'm, I'm just, I was just like using that as an example. Never mind, I better shut up before I get in trouble. It doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. Love always hopes. Like, here's the thing about this. I'm just, this is a whole other thing. Listen, ladies and gentlemen who are married or are looking to get married, no matter what you face in your marriage, you before don't go to the negative first. Always hope for the best. I'm not saying Brittany has done anything. But if I get news that it's to say, somebody comes to me and says, you know, I saw Brittany with another man. One, he's probably better looking than me, but I'm not going to sit there and go, how dare her? No, I'm going to trust. Always hoping for the best. So I can go to her and say, hey, listen, somebody said this. Now, I, I know it's not in your character because when we hope for the best, it's easy, easy to work. Because have you ever, like, always thought straight to the negative and you already have that argument already prepared in your head that you're going to say to that person? See, that's not how you approach and fix things, right? When you always hope for the best, okay? Let me just say, and here's another side note. If you want a better husband, become a better wife. If you want a better wife, become a better husband. Make sense? That's, another, that's a whole other marriage sermon. Love always trusts, love always protects. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is is the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, which dwells within me, not today, devil. No matter what we say, when we we throw out that, because he can't stand the word of God, because it's the word of God that cast him out. You're not going to rob me of what God has for me. So if you think this morning that the devil is some sort of cute Halloween costume kind of guy, you probably think that Jesus is a tender little hippie too with a lamb on his shoulder. While he is love, he is also righteous. And judgment is coming. But here's the great news. There's grace right now. And maybe you've believed that lie. 
that you're not good enough. And I would tell you the truth that yes, you're not good enough. But the great news is that Jesus didn't care that you weren't good enough. He still made a way for you. He still made a way. But here's the crazy thing. This doesn't, this doesn't end in this era that's called the church era. Why it's called the church era, I don't know. But it should just be Jesus. But anyways. While he is love, he is also righteous. While he is full of grace, he is coming back in judgment. And when he returns, according to Revelation 1, John says this. His head... And his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in the furnace. And his voice thundered like a mighty ocean wave. He held seven stars in his right hand. And a sharp two-edged sword came from his what? Mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance sharp two-edged sword huh? came from his mouth like I don't think that's a knife coming from his mouth right what does that mean he's speaking the word he was doing he's doing spiritual but when he returns to take his church home and then he comes back and he and he and he's doing the battle he's, he's speaking the word just like his father did in the beginning God spoke and created the word the world in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Jesus, and the devil is a liar. Jesus is the truth. The devil is a liar. Jesus is the truth. The devil is a liar. Every time you sin against God, it's because you believe one of the devil's lies. If you open your legs for that man, that will give you ultimate joy. If you give yourself to that woman, that's where your joy is found. Don't let the... Sex is so good. And it is good because God created it. And it's good in the balance of the way he made it. Or whatever. I'm just using that as an example because that's an easy one to pull out. Every time you sin against God, it's because you believe the devil's lies. Every time. But when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So whenever the devil tries to lie, to say, get behind me. I know God's word. It's written. Is This is who I am in Christ. This is what I have in Christ. You are defeated. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. I'm fighting from victory, devil. You get behind me. You are you are a defeated foe because greater is the one who lives in me. Here's another Bible thing. Because greater is the one who lives in me than you who are in the world. And so maybe you're here this morning because God just wants you to know. Can you just know my word? Just know my word. If you want to de defeat the deceiver, if you want to if you want to know how to distinguish a lie from the truth, you've got to know my word. Because he is going to attack. It's not when he's going to attack. He is going to attack. And maybe this morning, like I said earlier, you believe. And the biggest lie that that Satan tries to tell you, to tell us, and and is and that lie is that 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 Jesus couldn't save you. Maybe he's like, 
You know what you did last week. I seen you the other night. He can't save you. He starts to twist God's word. None is righteous, no, not one. You can't, you can't reach the stand. You can't, you can't get his grace. You can't do anything for it. And, and Jesus is like, you're twisting that, Satan. Because the whole definition of grace is unmerited favor. It's a gift. And maybe for somebody here this morning, it's time for you to go from that lie that you can't be saved, you can't receive Christ, to the truth the truth that says Jesus is going to set you free. That's the whole reason I sang that, just that little part of that song. Because there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And maybe to this morning, it's your turn for the chains to be broken. So here's what I want everybody to do real quick, because I'm 16 minutes past my normal time. Here we go. You ready? I want everybody to bow their hands and close their eyes real quick. Here's what we want to do. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, Derek, I want to receive the truth for the first time in my life. I know it says that for God so loved the world, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Like, I want that for myself. I want to be set free. I want to be set free. So here's what I want you to do. Can you raise your hand for me? Here's what. Whew. Hold on a minute, I'm going to cry. Um, here's what I want us to do real quick. And, and I normally don't do this because um, sometimes I think we can get too wrapped up on words. And But I, I want to say a prayer. And I want you, and if you raise your hand and let me just tell everybody there was more than one, so just, I'm excited, okay? Because right now, the scripture tells us there's angels rejoicing in heaven. Well, I'm going to rejoice right up there with them. You ain't going to take my praise, Michael, the archangel. Say this prayer with me, and mean it from your heart, all right? And, I, and here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do. I want everybody in here to say this prayer so that nobody feels left out, Okay? I want everybody to say it, but the ones who raise their hand, I want you to mean it. Dear God, I have believed a lie for too long. I believed too long that either I was okay or, or 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 that you wouldn't rescue me. But I know the truth. And I know that you can save me. So I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. And today I put an end to the devil. And give my life totally in surrender to you. Your name I pray. Amen. Can everybody clap real quick?